All right. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Listen Watch the Podcast, the home of Potty Mouse, the fastest growing podcast in history of podcasts. Don't Google that. That's a fact, though. I'm your host, Dom Sharp. It's currently 620 in the morning. It's the second time I'm doing this podcast because I really want I, w- I want to make this podcast right. I want to make it I want to make a good podcast here because it's something that's near and dear to my heart. And I want to make the make sure that I convey this message as smoothly as possible. Right. So about an hour ago. I just got done playing 2K. I was on 2K. Um, I met a new friend on the park. You know, we got a few dubs together. And while I was playing the game, I start I start rapping this song. But I was like, "Who the fuck sing this song? Who the fuck sings this? Like, who? Like, where? Like, where do I know this song from? Like, it was a song that I used to like sing when I was a kid. Now, not like a kid. I was like 14, 15, 16 years old. I was like, where did I know this song from? So then. That took me into like this deep rabbit hole of songs that I used to listen to when I was in high school. Songs that inspired me as a youth. So this was this podcast is about is songs and albums and artists that inspired me as a youth. So I'm gonna start this podcast off with this story. So it was the summer 2012, I think. Something like that. And nineteen ninety nine had just dropped. Like ninety nine had just came out. And if you wasn't outside when 99 came out, you won't understand this. But 99 was like all the rage in the streets. Like it was like all the shit. And like everybody in my friend group had heard it. That was the album to listen to. Like that was the one that you had to hear. And I vividly remember my homie Cam. I know Cam. Cam is a member of this podcast. He's not here right now because of coronavirus. I vividly remember Cam was like, yo, he called me on the phone. He's talking on the phone all the time. He's like, bro, have you heard this yet? I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, I'm going to send you the link. He sent me the link. He might, he might not even send me the link. He might have just told me to look it up on YouTube. And I, I would look these guys up on YouTube. It was this group called 2080s. 2080s, they had a song called The Breakfast Club. It was about a five-minute posse cut with, like, four, maybe five or six different rappers on it. Everybody had, like, two verses, two to three verses. Every verse was, like, six to ten bars and shit like that. Just real, it was, like, some bars. Like, everybody going back and forth. Niggas' verses was flowing into each other. It was, like, it was the, it was the, it was... It was rap music that I liked. And I still like to this day, like, I like bars. I like shit that's, like, punchy to the point. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I remember it was a few guys in this group that inspired me. Like, that, like he not inspired me yet, but, like, I remember, maybe inspired me. But I remember it was a few guys in this group where that, that when I heard them, I was like, I like these niggas a lot. So it was this guy, Fonzie Mac, who now goes by email. It was this guy, Kells, who still go by Kells and drops music every now and then. And this guy, Julian Malone. And I remember after listening to those guys, I wanted to know more about them. So Fonzie Mack, he was like, Fonzie Mack is probably the guy I stole the most from in my in my artistic career. Like, I stole the most from him. Like, Fonzie Mack is the reason I made my dad go to fucking American Eagle and Old Navy with me and buy me flannels. Like, Made my dad buy me matte flannels. I didn't wear them yet, but I made him buy me matte flannels. My dad didn't know why I wanted flannels, but I wanted flannels because Fonzie Mac wore flannels. Like, I thought it was cool as shit that he wore flannels, and I wanted flannels. And I stole that from him. Fonzie Mac dropped a song. Maybe it might have been an EP called Octoberly. Like, I stole that phrase from him. I, dro- I, dro- I got a whole mixtape out called Octoberly. A lot of my friends think I came up with that. For a while, I thought I did too. Like it was like at the, at the point in time when I dropped that mixtape, it, it stopped becoming a thing that I stole and something that I just I lived. Like my birthday's in October. 
Like, I love the fall. I love when the leaves change. I love when it get cold. I love when you got to put a little hoodie on. That Octoberly feeling, when it, when it becomes fall officially, I love that shit. So I just stole that from him because it was the perfect, it was the perfect word to describe that feeling. Stole it from him. Like, I stole so much from, from Fonzie Mac. I want to give him his flowers because this guy has, like, a thousand followers on Twitter. He doesn't know who I am. I think he followed my old account before it got deleted, but, like, he doesn't he doesn't know who I am, but I've but I know who he is. And I I took so much from him. He had a mixtape called Six the the Six Twenty One Theory. Right? I even know what that means. Like apparently, uh F is the sixth letter in the alphabet and U is the twenty first letter in the alphabet. And basically it was supposed to be the F U theory. Like I can see myself at the age he was, which I'm the age at now, being twenty years old, thinking that was some smooth shit. Like I, I see why at fourteen I thought that shit was some swag. Like I understand that. I just, I just, I just, I think it's important that I just talk about these things because I don't think we ever talk about the things that inspire us enough. I think that we just, you know, we just, we just take it, we just take and never give back. Kels, Kels is one of the niggas that made me realize the importance of a hook. Like, all them niggas had bars, but Kels was the one of the few niggas in the group that, like, used hooks on all his songs. He made me, he taught me the importance of a hook. Julian Milano was just like, the smoothest lyricist when I was 14 years old. The smoothest lyricist. He had this song called 7 Millie and OG. And I still, like, I listen back to those songs today because, like I said, I went to a deep rabbit hole to listen to these, uh, listen, listen to this shit today. And I listened to, to 7 Millie and OG today. I'm listening to this to the music. I'm like, I still steal these flows today. Like, I still hear myself at 22 years old, eight years later, taken from these niggas. Like, just taken. Like, and I'm not doing it maliciously or purposely, just that they inspire me. Like they like they help create a young content creator. Like they help form who I am today. And I think it's important that I just get back to them. But because of because of this, I found out who they are. I wanted to know more. Like I just I was like, who the fuck is 2080s? So I would go on the YouTube and I would look up 2080s. Or I would type in their names, Kells, Ju Malone, Fonzie Mac. And I would like try to find more music from them. And this led me into like really being immersed in the Chicago rap scene. So mind you, this is about 2012. Around the same time, Don't Like was popping off. Like Chief Keith and Don't Like was popping off. So while this was popping off, like the hood, the hood Chicago shit, I would listen to like suburban Chicago rappers. And this is something that all my friends will tell you. Like, I've always been the guy who goes against the grain. Like, that's who I am. Like, if y'all say y'all do this, I'm doing that. That's that's just who I am as a person. Like, I've, I don't know why I'm like this. That's just who I am. Like, if you say you like this shit, well, I'm going to find a reason not to like this shit. I just, that's, just, that's just how I rock. So this was, like, the early stages of me doing this. Like, so while everybody listening to Don't Like, I was listening to, like, suburban shot, like, shot Town rappers. And I found out by Mad Niggas. Like, I found out about this guy, Alex Wiley. Alex Wiley had his album called Village Party. I'm, like, next time next time the boys come in and we do, we do, like, we do official, like, listen to this podcast, I'm going to play an Alex Wiley song of the week because that shit inspires me. Like, I, I'm going to listen to Village Party for the next two weeks because that shit was one of my favorite albums when it came out. I found out about this guy, Kim, Kim X. Kim X had his song called Dollar Please. Let me tell you why Dollar Please was so impactful to me, right? So the hook was, let me hold a dollar, let me hold that dollar, right? It's funny because 
around the song, around the time the song came out, around the time I listened to the song, I was going to school. I was going to school. I was in high school. I was getting high. And every day after school, me and my friend group, you know, shout out to Lodge, shout out Doris, you know, we would like, shout out, shout out to here. We would like ask people in the school for a dollar just so that we can have enough money to buy a Nick and a rap. Like all we needed was $6. If we had $6, we could break that Nick's down. All of us can get high. All of us can have a rap. It was, it was the goal. That was the goal every day. It came to a certain point where like people stopped giving the guys like me, Tahir and last Dallas. We just endorsed. I was like, yo, no, no doors, doors. You're a girl. They can't tell you. No, they're going to give you a dollar. Like that was our plan. And it worked a lot. It was, was it slimy? Yes. Was it shysty? Yes. Did it work? Yes. Like, if it works, who does it hurt? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, well, that's actually hard. If it works, who does it hurt? It was a dollar. And that song, like, really resonated at me at, at that time. Because of 2080s, I fell in love with this guy, Martin Scott, another guy from Chicago. Like, Chicago, like Martin Scott is the reason when I smoked, I only smoked the games. He had a, He had a bar. And a verse where he says, Garcia Vegas is what I smoke or some shit like that. And I was like, what the fuck is a Garcia Vega? I thought it was like like some weird, like, you know, a cigar he was smoking. Like, I thought he just smoked cigars. But one day I walked into the store and I went to go buy my roll up and I synced it. It was so basically a Garcia Vega is just a game. That's what they call it. If you look at the game rappers, I don't know if they still say I don't smoke no more. But if you still look at the game rappers, if you look, if you look at the game rappers, it would say Garcia Vegas on them. And I was like, no, nah, that's what I want. I want to smoke a Garcia Vega because motherfucking Martin Scott said it was cool to smoke Martin Vega, uh, Garcia Vegas. He said, nah, I smoke Garcia Vegas. And I was like, nah, that's what I smoke too then. That's how we carry it then. It's just because of, because of Kim giving me this one suggestion to go listen to this one group, I fell in love with a whole Chicago rap scene. A whole Chicago rap scene. Because of Cam telling me that I should go listen to this group 2080s, I went and did a deep dive on all these artists. It's the all day freestyles. And, if, and eventually I landed on one freestyle video that had Mick Jenkins. Shout out. Mick Jenkins had an album called Waters when I was in high school. Great album. And Chance the Rapper. Like, Chance the Rapper nowadays is like one of the big names in hip hop. Some people, I don't like his last album, the I Love My Wife album. wasn't that good. Honestly, I don't like I don't like most albums. I like Surf a little bit, but most of his albums after Acid Rap I don't enjoy. But it doesn't matter to me because Acid Rap is, like inspired me. Acid Rap helped curate a young content creator. It helped curate my taste. It helped make me who I am today. Like songs like Cocoa Butter Kisses, songs like Cocoa Butter Kisses introduced me to Vic Mensa. Vic Mensa was cool as shit, but now Vic Mensa is like the biggest dickhead in hip hop. Like, it's a point in time when Vic Mensa was beefing with DJ Academics. Like, who would have thought that would have happened in 2013? I sure enough did. But that's what happened. Like, because of the, because of one YouTube search, I fell in love with a whole subgroup of hip hop. A whole group of people that was from this one point in time. Chance the Rapper is like the biggest name to come out of there. He's like the biggest guy to come out. And he's still he's probably one of the guys that actually still makes music. But that Ass Rap album, then because of Ass Rap, I, look, I went back and listened to 10 Day. And shit, like those those two mixtapes, those two albums, cha- like it changed how I rap. Like because of that, 
before I was like trying to rap in like a deeper tone voice because of that shit. I was like, nah, I'm leaning to. I got a higher pitch voice. I'm just leaning to this higher pitch voice shit. Like my voice is higher toned. I'm gonna just go higher toned. Cause Chance came through with the, ah ah ah, went over to L it was and just rapping high pitched. I was like, well, I can do that. Like my voice is already toned up. Why not just tone it up? You know what I'm saying? That's what I did because Chance the rapper made it comfortable. He made it comfortable for me to do that. He made it okay. Going into like my 10th grade year, I remember vividly it was December, oxymoron, and because the internet dropped. Schoolboy Q's oxymoron and Childish Gambino's because the internet were two of my favorite albums to come out. Like to this day, I still go back and listen to those albums like they came out yesterday and I listen to them. And I still am amazed by some of the songs on there. Like, Studio was like the big single to come off of uh, Oxymoron, I believe. And 3005 was like the big album to call. 3005 was the big single to come off because of the internet. But those albums were so much more to me. They were my soundtracks. Like, I listened to those songs all the time. Like, ask my dad. I had a speaker in my room. He would walk in. That's what would, that's what would be playing. There's those albums. And, like, I know it's cliche to say this now because everybody loves, like, Donald Glover. Everybody loves Childish Gambino. But at that time, nobody loved Childish Gambino. Like, I was a Childish Gambino fan before that. Like, shout out to Cam again. Cam is the guy that put me on Childish Gambino. He did that. Like, I remember us being in middle school and Cam had listened to, I believe it was Cul-de-Sac, and then he listened to Cam. And Cam was like, yo, you used listen to the Camp album. And I remember his exact words to describe it to me. He was like, Imagine if Drake could sing. Like, like he's like Drake, but if Drake could sing was his words to me. And that sold me. I wasn't the biggest Drake fan at that time yet. Like, because, you know, Drake, you know, Drake, Drake doesn't make music for niggas who don't get pussy. And I was not getting any pussy yet. So I of course I didn't understand the emotions he was put on putting on songs. But eventually I did and I started to love Drake. But Camp was like my shit. Now, granted, Childish doesn't rap as much as he used to but these are these are albums he was rap he was rapping on because of the internet he was rapping on camp song like 3005 and war star are like songs you can't deny are like great rap songs like regardless like th- like because the internet the way it was released he changed the way i thought albums could be done like he dropped the whole short film uh clapping for the wrong reasons i still don't understand to this day I went back and watched it like a few weeks ago. I still don't understand the reasons behind clapping for, for clapping for the wrong reasons. Like I don't get it. Because of that album, I I want to write a script. Like he wrote a script to go along with the album. And because of that, I feel comfortable saying, no, I want to write a script. I want to write a screenplay. I want to write a show. And not only did he do that, about five years later, he actually went out and got a show made. Atlanta. It's on FX. Granted, it's not that good of a show. I get that. But he still got it done. He still got it made. Because of him, I feel comfortable saying these things. I feel I feel I feel like it's not a stretch. I feel like I feel like it's I feel like it's an achievable goal because Shadows Gambino did it. Changed it, it changed how I view content and the creation of music and content period. Schoolboys Q Oxymoron is one of those albums like everybody did this that year. I bought 
maybe five. I was already like a snapback guy. I was really into snapbacks and shit like that. I was really into hats. Now I'm into dad hats and like beanies and shit like that. I always been a hat dude. But because of that album, the Oxymoron album, I went out and bought like four or five bucket hats. Like I bought mad bucket hats. I I haven't worn bucket hats since the album came out. But because of that album, because Schoolboy Q wore because because Schoolboy Q wore a bucket hat, I thought bucket hats were cool. And I went out and bought a whole bunch of bucket hats. If you seen a nigga walking around with a bucket hat today in 2020, you can be like, this nigga's crazy. Why the fuck he got a bucket hat on? Who this nigga think he is? But in 2013, that wasn't the conversation. 2013, nigga was like, oh, that's a bucket hat? Oh, that's swag. It was the it was the weirdest year. The weirdest fucking year. I had a tie-dye bucket hat. I had a bucket hat that was interchangeable. It was black on one side, white on the other side. I had two different hats. I would just flip it out day in and day out. Eventually, the white side had got, like, yellow because I was sweating it. But I, I eventually just came as a, a black bucket. I think I gave that to my, to my man, Reem. But I had... I wore bucket hats because of Schoolboy Q, which is like so weird for me to think about now. Just like the weirdest shit. And I remember another album that like, here's a, here's a, I'm not making up to you. Here's a story that I'm not making up to you. So my gym teacher, shout out Mr. Fresto, my gym teacher in middle school, Fresto. He had a song with Kendrick Lamar and J-Rock. I'm I, like, you can look at it up now. His name is Microphone Tone. Look up Microphone Tone. Look up Microphone Tone, Kendrick Lamar. A song pops up. He got a song with J-Rock. He got a song with Kendrick Lamar and J-Rock. And because of that, everybody in my middle school became big Kendrick Lamar fans. So I was listening to Section 80 when I was like 13 in middle school. Like, Rick and Mortis was my shit. Like, Rick and Mortis might have been, like, my ringtone to wake up to in the morning. That, like, that might have been my alarm. It was, it was, it was that, it was that impactful to me. But my favorite Kendrick Lamar album up until that point and around that time was Overly Dedicated, just because of the intro. Like, the hard part two, it might, the hard part two was my favorite song of all time at a point. It was, like, the song when I was feeling down, when I was feeling happy, when I was sad, I was, I wanted to cry. That's, that's the same emotion. But that was the song. That was the song I went to. Was the heart part too, because I felt that shit. I felt the shit he was saying on there. I think it's. I think it's so weird. Another here's here's another thing I I, I listen to a lot. So J Cole's J Cole's Truly Yours too. That came out like that came out the spring right before Born Summer dropped. So that was like 2013, 2014 around there, and. I remember I got in, I had, I had my one and only fight with my dad. Um, I came home late at like five or something like that. My school Trizzy was by the side working. I walked in, strolled in. High is a fucking kite. High as shit. Just strolled in the house. My dad was like, where was you at? I was like, I was downtown, which was like, that was my go-to line back in the day. I would just, I just said I was downtown and I wasn't lying most of the time. But like when I was downtown, I was downtown getting high. Like if you from Philly, you know about Rittenhouse Square. Rittenhouse Square, Rittenhouse Square was the spot where all the high school kids did their drugs. Like all of us vert rats, that's where we went to did our drugs. I went, over, I went in there, smoked weed. Niggas did coke, niggas did acid, niggas did shrooms. That's where everybody did their drugs at. That was the spot to do your drugs. We all just did drugs, sat on the ledge and talked all day. That was the spot. So I came home late, and my dad, me and my dad got to a scuffle. He's like, "Where is you at?" I was like, "I was out." He was like, "You not growing?" I was like, "I think I am." And then 
he tussled me to the ground. Now, I don't think I really lost this fight. I don't think I lost. I don't think I won either. Because all he did was just tussle me to the ground, sat on me, and was like, nah, nigga, what's good? You know what I'm saying? He, I, I, guess that's, I, guess, I guess that's a W for him, I guess. But I remember that after that, he kicked me out, and I went to live with my mom down 56th Street for a little bit. And I remember, for some reason, if you live from Philly, for, for some reason, the L train to the Broad Street line is, like, way quicker than a bus to the Broad Street line. It was way quicker, so my ride to school was, was way faster. And I remember, like, listening to Truly Yours too, every day going to from to and from school that was like like i used to i used to like when the, when the l came up from 40th street to 46th street and it and went like above ground it was like the l is elevated now i remember like the beat on cold summer dropping and like looking out the window seeing the sunset and i thought this shit is beautiful i remember thinking these things I remember SZA dropped SZA dropped Z around that time. Only found out about SZA because SZA had a song with Chance the Rapper called Child's Play. And that was my shit. And because of that song, I listened to SZA a whole bunch. Like a whole bunch. And because of that album, I found out about Isaiah Rashad. Isaiah Rashad, he had an album called The Sylvia Demo. Now, here's the thing about Sylvia Demo. This was the, like that Piff days. It was, a, it, was, it was a mixtape. That album had like five different versions out. It was different versions that had different songs on it, different orderings of the song, different arrangements. But I, I found one that was like the arrangement I liked the most, where like the song flowed the best, and that was my shit. Like the Sylvia demo was one of the albums that made me realize, no, I can rap because I can do what he does for sure. Like I can do that. Like it's like some of these songs I'm naming, like especially from the Chicago niggas. You listen to those songs now, you don't. There's nothing special about them. Like there's no immaculate flows. There's nobody with immaculate penmanship on them things. Like I feel like at 22 years old now, I've written songs that are way better than shit that they put out back then. But it's because when I listen to them, it was so impactful to me that I'm like, I I still feel enamored by these niggas. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about. It's crazy. It's just, it's crazy to think about these things. I don't know. These are just things that inspire me. I know it's, I know it's cliche to say now, like everybody loves Tyler Creator, but Tyler Creator was just like one of the biggest inspirations in my life. Like I remember when the Bastard album came out. I remember that. I remember listening to Tyler Creator thinking, oh, so I can say weird things. Like I can say weird things on records and people won't judge me. Like I, I can do that. Like Tyler, Tyler Creator, everybody knows his line. He said, I'll rape a pregnant bitch and tell my friends I had a threesome. Like that's an actual line from Tyler the Creator. Like Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Creator once said, Life's a fucking movie and we're all just fucking props. Like, that's what Tyler Creator is the guy that told me, like, oh, I can say, because when Bastard came out, what was that? 2000, 2011, 2012, something like that, 2010. When you go back and listen to that era of music on the radio, it was just everybody was making pop rap. Everybody wanted to be radio friendly and family friendly. That was like the the genre of rap I was that that was I was existing in. So to hear Tyler Creator be counterculture like that and just be like, nah, I'm gonna be weird and I'm gonna say what the fuck I want to say is crazy. Like I go back and watch the the infamous Tyler the fucking Tyler Creator on Hot 97 when he freestyled over uh hard over over fucking hard as a motherfucker with Peter Rosenberg. You listen to that shit now. It sounds so dumb. 
It's so dumb and so stupid. But I was like, nah, if I ever go to radios, I'm never going freestyle seriously because Tyler didn't freestyle seriously. Then he broke that rule and freestyled seriously like a few years, uh, uh, a fucking few years later. I remember him doing Sway with fucking Jasper in the back in a floral hoodie, not freestyling seriously at all. And I never thought I was going to freestyle seriously because Tyler did. Like, I thought freestyling was dumb. Like, why Why you need to freestyle? I still think freestyling is dumb. Like, if you can write a good verse, write the good verse. Don't try to come up with some bullshit on top of your head if, that, if, if that's not what you do. Write the verse. I don't know. I think the point of this podcast is to say, I think that the reason we make art is to inspire others. Like, not just others, but people younger than us. Like, as an adult, I realized that there's not enough hours in a day for me to consume all the music, all the content that's in the world. I have a job. I have people to worry about. I have loved ones I need to talk to. There's not enough time in the world for me to actually do these things. Like, quarantine has given, like, the quarantine because of the coronavirus has given me the time to do that. But still, even still then, it's not enough time in a day. It's never going to be enough time. So only, so only people that really would have enough time would be high schoolers, would be children, would be people who don't have the responsibilities yet. So when you make art, you got to remember that the guy, the person who's going to be consuming the most of your content is going to be some 16-year-old kid. I tell Cam all the time, whenever I make music, this, the person, the only person I'm thinking about is that 16-year-old kid who life I'm going to change because of it. That 16-year-old kid who's going to hear a line in my song and is going to relate to it. That 16-year-old kid who's going to hear that song and is going to feel the emotion behind it and is going to make him want to, like, it's going to inspire him to create something great. Same way Fonzie Mack inspired me. The same way Julie Malone inspired me. The same way Alex Wiley inspired me. You know, my avi on Instagram says, be who you needed when you were younger. I think it's important that I always be the person that I would have looked up to when I was in high school. Like, I know for a fact, 16-year-old Dom will love 22-year-old Dom. I know that for a fact. Because 16-year-old Dom, because 22-year-old Dom is doing everything that 16-year-old Dom would, would, like, would want to do. Before I gave up on, like, one in, on, like, before I gave up on school, my dream was to be, a, a, like, a sportscaster. I wanted to be the guy that called basketball games and football games now i don't do that but i am talking into a microphone right now like i'm talking to a microphone and giving my opinions and giving analysis 16 year old don would think this shit is so swag he would be like yo you do that like you actually got a podcast it's crazy like 16 year old don would appreciate that like i know like 16 year old don would like a lot of my songs like 16 year old don would like my song two-step he would like that song like sixteen year old Dom will like like will like my album. Like he will like it. Like six sixteen year old Dom will appreciate October Lee. Like he would like these things. And I know he would because that's what I would liked it when I was a kid. I think it's important as a content creator that not only do you create what you would have it's not only create what you like now, but but create what you would have liked as a kid. Now granted, your taste change. And I'm saying I'm not saying like when I was when I, in 2012, when I was in high school, I'm saying I'm not rapping on any of those beats that was hot in 2012. No, I'm not. Fuck that. That shit was it was uh, it was a terrible time to rap over beats. But in the spirit of that, in the spirit of that style, I still do that. 
Like I got the the umph that he would have liked. I got the edge that he would have liked. I just think that it's important that we always, you know, let me let me play this game with you for a second. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up, listener. I don't know what you're doing, but shut up. If, if you were in your car, put your caller right now. If you're on SEPTA, which you shouldn't be because we're in quarantine, get the fuck off SEPTA now because, nigga, you got the Roni. But close your eyes right now. Just close your eyes. Think about this. Think of all the things that you liked when you were 16 years old. Right? Think about the things that you thought were cool when you were 16 year old. Now think about you now. Do you do those things? Would 16 or you, if you can go back into a time machine or 16 or you had a time machine and he came into the future and he saw you, would he be proud of the person you that you have become? Or would he be saddened? Where he or she be sat in by the future that he has to look look forward to, like which like which reality are we living in here? That like that's that's that is the question you need to ask yourself. Because what's the point of making art if not to inspire others? For vain, for fame, for money. Well, that's not good art. All my all my favorite artists they make money because I make I make money. All my favorite artists, they they make art because they want to inspire somebody. They want to talk to somebody. They have an idea that they need to express, and this is their outlet to express it. I think it's important that we give the people that we looked up to flowers, and then we continue to pass down those flowers. We continue to pass down those teachings that you gained from them and give it to the next generation. So... Yeah, that was the point of this podcast. I was just thinking about shit that inspired me when I was 14 and 15, 16 years old. I just thought about those things. I was like, where are these guys? Where the fuck are they now? Like, where? Like, do they exist still? If they don't, well, let me make a pot. Let me talk about them. Like, somebody should somebody should talk about them. Because I know I'm not the only person that heard these names before. And, like, because the Breakfast Club video got 100,000 views. So I know I'm not the only person that saw that shit. So, you know. Think, talk about the people that inspire you when you, when you were a kid and continue to inspire now. That's the message of today's podcast. It's currently 6.50 in the morning. This podcast this podcast should be out and should be in your Spotify. If you're waking up and listen to it now, you're welcome. I'm not waking up to 3 o'clock to tweet it out, so you won't hear it at 3. But this has, been another, this has been another episode of the This Is Why You Should Podcast. The home of Potty Mouse, the fastest growing podcast in the history of podcasts. Don't Google that. It's a fact, though. I'm your host, Dom Sharp. There are two things that every human has. Opinions and assholes. I'm so happy to be an asshole with an opinion. Thanks for listening.